Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. So we have finished almost our apologetic seminar. Last week we finished the problem of evil. And uh, we have all this head knowledge. We, we got some great answers, but really it's just head knowledge. You see, with all that knowledge, God has commissioned us to go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a lost and hurting world. We truly are Christ's ambassadors. And so really the purpose of church, the Bible says uh, God's appointed some as apostles, some as prophets, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, you all, for the works of ministry. And so uh, this week we're going to talk a little bit about how we can put this into practice. Next week we're going to talk about Christmas and Hanukkah and have our Christmas celebration and white elephant gift exchange. Now, who knows why they call it a white elephant gift exchange? Nobody, right? I don't either. I'm going to research that. <laughs> I'll have the answer for you next week. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, you know, in the midst of book knowledge. I mean, knowing answers to the questions, the tough questions people have about God, the Bible, and all of that, which we've gone over, I believe, the most important ones. It is important to be filled with the Holy Spirit and have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. On the back of your handout, I have a list of seven things that are kind of a litmus test for me when I don't feel the peace the strength or the joy of the Lord in my life. Uh, the test is, am I on the path? Am I praying? Am I praising? Am I pressing into the Lord? Am I pursuing godly things? Am I proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ? And am I producing disciples of Jesus Christ? Now, I want you to know this. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is giving. Do you know that? And if you sow into a ministry, say you support a missionary in Africa, you partake in uh, proclaiming the gospel to those people out there. That's attributed to your account. And we're going to talk more about that uh, in two weeks. But anyway, am I on the path? Let's just go through these one at a time this morning. Jesus made this radical statement in Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 13. He said, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there's many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. That is a radical statement to me. You know, part of our job as believers being commissioned by Christ to go out and make disciples is to show people that narrow way. You know, Jesus said what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So the question I ask myself, if I lack peace, if I lack the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the strength of God in my life, number one is, am I really on the narrow path? Or am I somehow off 
God's will for my life? You know, we need to actually ask ourselves that question almost every day. We need to fix our eyes on Christ and really become Christ's followers to be on the narrow path. That's Dakota over there. My wife brought our... <laughs> Proverbs 4.25 says, Let your eyes look directly ahead, and your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left, nor turn your foot to evil. You know, we need to make sure we're on that narrow path every day. God's law and commandments literally light the way to the path. You know, a lot of churches have an easy believism these days. It's kind of like, hey, just put your faith in Christ and that's all you have to do. There's no transformation that takes place in their hearts. The worship team this morning, we were talking, uh, some were out, Gilda and, <laughs> and Jazel were out uh, looking for people to witness to at the lake last night. Isn't that awesome? And uh, the Holy Spirit put someone on their heart, and uh, they were at this Santa Claus Christmas carol celebration of pagan Christmas. And the Holy Spirit put it on <laughs> Her heart to go up to this person and say, this is not what Christmas is about. It's about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of that. Well, the guy ended up being a pastor. <laughs> uh, I love it. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. The last two on the list. Are you proclaiming the good news, and are you producing disciples? And how we do that. There's three types of people that we're going to get into. One is an unbeliever. What, what are we going to do to them? We're going to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Christ. Number two is a believer who believes falsely, like this guy that was celebrating Santa Claus instead of Jesus. Sorry about that if you're watching. <laughs> but those we reprove and we rebuke and exhort with great patience, we have to correct them. False doctrine. The third person that we meet is a born-again believer who loves Jesus, and we encourage them in their faith. Amen? All right. Two weeks, we'll get into that a little bit. <laughs> God's law and commandments light the way to the narrow path. In fact, in Psalms chapter 1, verse 1, you all know it. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates day and night. Oh, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. In Psalm 119, the psalmist really captured walking in the ways of the Lord, starting at verse 1, it says, How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You know, part of staying on the narrow path is where the focus of our thoughts lie. You know, sometimes I can get so wrapped up in the things of this world and the cares of this world that I don't even think about God all day long. You ever do that? 
to all of a sudden the day's over. You know, sure, in the morning I had my coffee. I spent time in the Word. I spent time in prayer. But then I get into the busyness of the day, and it's like I totally forget about God the rest of the day. And I find myself frustrated and sometimes anxious. It's fixing our eyes on the Lord, staying on the narrow path constantly throughout the day. Psalm 119.101 says, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, I know a lot of believers today that the only time they park the pages of God's word is Sunday morning at church. <laughs> I know a lot of believers today that don't even bring a Bible to church. And I'm not condemning you if you don't because I read all the passages and most of you have it on your phone. But the idea is this, we need to be in the Word of God because it lights the way to stay on the narrow path. David said, thy word I have hidden in my heart that what? I might not sin against thee. I might not miss the mark. I might not get off that narrow path. It's also about being directed by God's Spirit in Isaiah chapter 30 verse 20. Uh, 21 it says your ears will hear a word behind you this is the way walk in it and whenever you turn to the right or to the left in Romans chapter 8 verse 14 it says all who are being led by the spirit these are the sons of God for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out Abba father i love that remember ab i think jan mentioned it a couple of sundays ago is daddy it's like it's not like father it's daddy oh i need you if you lack that peace that strength that joy of the lord as we bring 2021 to a close thank god <laughs> And look forward to what God's going to do in 2022 and Lord help this country. Man, Lord have mercy. Uh, we need a lot of help. Actually, the world does. And we start praying about course corrections we need to make in our life individually, with our families, with the church. Where are we going to plant come February 28th when we lose this home, find a new home? God's got the perfect place. I can't wait. But as we begin to think about and pray what we need to change for next year in our lives, we take a, a, a real deep evaluation of where we're at with God. How have we grown this past year? How have we been faithful stewards with the bountiful blessings God has given us? Number two on your list, am I praying? I want to ask you a question. How long do you pray every day? And don't answer it. I want you to think about it. 
for a lot of believers, they say, I pray all day long. You know, here and there, I'm, I'm constantly invoking the Holy Spirit to give me strength or wisdom in the course of running my life that day. I used to think that if I prayed an hour every morning, God would somehow bless me. Any of you ever believe that? Okay, I was a legalist. So I would get up and I would pray and I would pray for everyone twice. And I would pray, how long is it? Oh, it's only been 15 minutes. Okay, so uh, well, now what am I going to pray? And, and, and so I just, I'm trying to pray that hour so that God will bless me. That, that is a form of legalism. You know that. How often should we pray? What should our prayer life be like? Paul gives us a great summary on being victorious in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. And I think I printed it, I did, on the back of your handout there, 16 through 24, and he said this, Rejoice always. Pray without, what? Ceasing. Constantly be in communion and fellowship with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. And for me, I have to have little reminders, and I've told you before, every stop sign, every red light, I pray. Um, every time I, I'm about to get frustrated at someone who cuts me off on the freeway and do something a pastor shouldn't do or a Christian shouldn't do, um, I pray. Every time my phone rings, I pray. Every time I have a little decision to make, I pray. As we include God in our life, you will be amazed at the peace and the strength and the joy that he gives you as you go about your stressful, busy day. And I, 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 even if you're retired, I know in the life we live in this country, in Orange County right now, it is busy and it's oftentimes stressful. Verse 18, in everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. I love this one. Remember in Romans we read, those who are being led by the Spirit, these are the sons and daughters of God. Don't quench the Spirit. Has the Holy Spirit ever directed you, that still small voice, to do something? Or not to do something? Quenching the Spirit is like, okay, I know I really shouldn't do this, but I'm Swedish, German, and Norwegian, so I have to do it. It's in my genetics. No. No. We have to be faithful not to quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. That's someone who declares the Word of God, didactic prophecy, or even uh, knows something maybe prophetic from the Lord as a word. Don't despise that. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. That means to wash you, to set you apart for exclusive use by and for God entirely, that may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will bring it to pass. You know, don't let the enemy rob you of hope for the future. I talk to a lot of people, and a lot of people have no hope for 2022. 
A lot of people have no vision for the next year. They are hopeless. You know, the Word of God says without a vision, what? The people perish. Let the hope of the Lord reign true in your life. The closer you are to Him, there's no reason why you can't have hope and look at the future with a smile. Like the Proverbs 31 woman, amen? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, speaking to us, really the end time church, he said, the end of all things is near. Therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Folks, if there's one thing that is fundamental to be a victorious Christian, it's to be a man or woman of prayer. When I teach theology, uh, one of the first classes, I ask the students a question. Two men are on two islands, and there's no people on the island. They both are Christians. One man has a Bible, and the other man, all he can do is pray. Who's going to be closer to God in 30 days? <laughs> I can assure you this. I know people in academia that know the Bible. They immerse themselves in knowledge, but they don't know Christ. They're not led by the Spirit. They don't have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. They are intellectual. They're academicians. They can quote verse by verse, but there's something missing. Have you ever met somebody like that? man we need to be not only in the word but we need to pray through the word have you ever had the holy spirit illuminate a passage of scripture to your mind or to your heart you're reading it and wow what what this doesn't make sense i don't get it and like lord what does this mean and maybe that night as you're about to drift off to sleep it's like oh that that that's deep Oh, that's powerful. Meditating on the Word of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligent, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Devotion there is a word that means to be constant in, in the Greek. Attended attentive to a lot of believers I talk to the hardest thing in their life is to pray the hardest thing and they're like every time I try to pray it's like all of a sudden I can't find words I believe there's spiritual battle when you become a man or woman of prayer and the enemy is somehow trying to divert you because there is power in prayer. You have not, the Bible says, because you ask not. So we need to pray in all times in every decision that we have to make. Number three, am I praising? I used to be someone who my favorite part of church was worship. I used to be someone that I loved to enter the throne of God in praise and worship to a mighty king. I would connect with the Lord. But 
the older I get in my Christian walk, at times it is hard for me to enter that place. Do you ever experience that? So for me, I, oftentimes my intimate praise and worship is by myself in the car while I'm driving to a patient's house. By the way, uh, I was paged out early Saturday morning when my patients passed. And they were born-again believers. Spirit-filled, loved Jesus. Passed peacefully, all of that. He had a 24-hour caregiver who uh, was a Roman Catholic. And uh, I would try to witness to the caregiver because she had knowledge of God, but she didn't know God personally. Does that make sense? I'm like, man, God loves you. And she goes, well, I was baptized Roman Catholic. You know, man, you're going to go to heaven one day. He's going to go to heaven. Well, I'll go to heaven because I'm, I'm, I'm a member of the Roman Catholic Church. That was her answer to everything. And I just would pray, Holy Spirit, just penetrate her heart. Reveal yourself to her. She was awake holding this guy's hand who's dying early, early Saturday morning. And as he took, was taking his last breath, he got a smile. And she said his whole bed, she had a vision, turned to white and pink flowers with neon glowing kind of, she said it was the most surreal, the most godly encounter, and she felt the Holy Spirit, like just take this man's soul to heaven. Okay, she gave her heart to the Lord because of that. Am I praising God? The beauty about this patient, when he could still speak, is all he wanted to do was worship God. In the midst of his pain and suffering and imminent death, in the Entering the presence of the Lord in praise and worship, he would get a peace and all his pain would go away. In those moments of praise and moments of worship. Giving jubilant praise to God is rejoicing. Jubilant praise to God. I love this. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Pray about what? What does he say here? Everything. In all things. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I love this. David captured how to praise the Lord. Remember when David went out, really, just with his undergarment and danced in the street and praised to God? You know, uh, it's just amazing. But he wrote this in Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him on the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and with pipe. 
Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How often do you dance before the Lord? It's been a long time for me. (laughs) Who's that old guy dancing in the street, you know? Open the door and crank up a praise song. Hallelujah, Jesus. You know. First church I was a youth pastor at, 1985, was a hyper-Pentecostal church. How many of you have ever been there? All right. So they danced, you know. And, I mean, it it was like, you know, (laughs) give me that old-time religion. Give me that. Uh, And they had timbrels. uh, But there's something cathartic about rejoicing in the Lord. That childlike, just exuberant, I love you, Jesus. It's something that happens where I'm getting to be more of an old fuddy-duddy these days, but I want that back. You know, not all the weird stuff that they do, but that joy that comes from dancing before the Lord, even in your heart. You know, sometimes you might see me up here and I'm like, you know, moving back and forth because I'm just like trying to enter the throne room of God and praise and worship. Number four, am I pressing into the Lord? Am I snuggling up to God? Am I in my spirit trying to get as close to Jesus as I can? You know, for me, pressing into the Lord is is a big thing. I do that in reading the Word. Part of it is God wrote this. And there's something in here specifically for me today to give me words of life, to give me encouragement. Have you ever needed a pastor? You needed God to speak to you. And I'm not encouraging Bible roulette, but I play it occasionally. And I'm like, Lord, just let me stop on the right passage. You know, I do that occasionally. Or just open my Bible and start reading. Please, Lord, speak to me in this text. And I'm reading and all of a sudden profound. Oh, that's just what I needed today. I used to pray an hour a day. And I used to try to read 10 chapters in the Bible a day. 10 chapters. I learned how to speed read. What does that mean? You look at the whole sentence, not each word. And you can do that. You know, your mind is capable of doing that. All of a sudden, I could get to almost two sentences and comprehend it and just go quick. But I didn't meditate on it. I, I read it as fast as I could, and I was proud. I read, how many chapters you read today? And I would ask my fellow classmates in Bible college, half a chapter? Oh, man, you're pathetic. I read ten. And I prayed for an hour. I am so godly. (laughs) Pride cometh before a fall. I did fall a little bit. Now I don't. I just say, Lord, before I part the pages of your holy book that you wrote through 40 guys, I know there's something that you need to speak to me today or something I need to share with someone else. So I just read until that, oh, that's what I'm going to meditate on today. 
That's the verse I'm going to think about today. So sometimes I'll read one verse, close the Bible, I'll pray maybe 10 minutes, and then I get ready, I go about my day, but then I'm constant in prayer throughout the day. Does that make sense? It's not the quantity, it's the quality. It's the quality that matters. Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know it. For many people, it's their life first. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. The next verse, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me, note this, when you search for me with all your heart. Pastor Chris, when he prays before class or if we get together, he always says, and Lord, if we haven't told you yet today, we love you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength. For me, that's a convicting verse. Do I really love God with all my heart? Sometimes my heart is pursuing other things. Do I really love God with all my mind, meditating on the good things of the Lord? And do I really love him with all my strength? Jeremiah 29, 13, Oh, you will seek for me and you'll find me if you search for me with all your heart. Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, and I say it almost every Sunday, you guys should have it memorized by now. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It's seeking and pursuing God. It's pressing into the Lord. Oh, am I doing that? Number five, am I pursuing godly things? This is a tough one. What consumes your mind? Now, I do know this, you business owners and you people that work or, or have a lot of responsibilities in your job, you've got to be consumed with that. But you need to be consumed with godly things more than you are with that. Does that make sense? So the trials of life, the tasks that we have to do every day, the burdens of this world, they consume us. But be more consumed with God. If you do that, you will have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. And God will bless your worldly pursuits. And I'm not talking about worldly as in ungodly. I'm talking about worldly like, uh, oh, man, I have repairs to make in my condo. Or, oh, my car needs this done to it. Or I need to do this at work. We're, we're all consumed with those things. But be more consumed with the things of God. Amen? Number six, am I proclaiming? And we're going to get into this in subsequent weeks about really what it means to be an evangelist or a missionary. Do you know any missionaries? Yep, if you look in the mirror every morning, you, you need to remind yourself, guess what? I am a missionary, and God has planted me at Applied Medical, or God has planted me here to represent him to a lost and hurting world. Hey, I live in this condo complex because that's my mission field. 
I live in this community, this house, because that's my mission field. We used to have a sign when we would meet inside as, well, when we rented from Rick Warren at Purpose Driven right down the street here. By the way, I missed that sanctuary. <laughs> How many of you ever were there? Yeah, yeah, a few of you, yeah. It was amazing, but we had a sign. You are now entering the mission field. Am I proclaiming the good news to a lost and hurting world? We're going to focus on that more in a few, few weeks, but Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, it says, We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power which mightily works in me and the seventh one on your list is am i producing disciples of christ you know it might just be with your immediate family i've heard it said all of us should be discipling one person have you ever heard that yeah Almost everyone we meet is a chance to disciple. Someone at Starbucks, you go in and you say, Lord, who do you want me to talk to? Praying without ceasing. And God kind of puts someone on your heart and you go up to him. Say, man, I don't know what you're going through, but I feel like God led me to you. He loves you. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. Where are you at in your faith walk, in your faith journey? More often than not, some people get tears in their eyes. Really, God told you that? Sometimes they're not a believer. Sometimes they're a believer in need of encouragement. But either way, all of a sudden, I get a chance to just sow a seed of truth, to sow some love of God into their life, to begin them on their faith journey or grow them in their faith journey. Amen? We all need to do that. Worship team, you guys are amazing. Would you come on up? In 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom. Note this, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instructions. This is how we make Christ followers. By teaching his word. Amen. And restores my soul, satisfies my Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve Him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week. I love the way it comforts me.
satisfies my needs.